Right, there we go. It's the top of the hour, 7 o'clock, right here on Radio Pulpit, 657am. And it's so awesome to be tuning in this evening live all the way from our studios in Pretoria, in Centurion. Israel tuned in this evening. It's an awesome, awesome following that we have over there. And then, of course, we also have some people from the United States of America. I wonder why, as if we're talking to someone from the States this evening. But it's an absolute pleasure uh, welcoming my brother in Christ. Um, Usually there's a bit more more of an introduction, but this evening I want to get straight to it because whenever myself and this legend starts talking, we don't have enough time. It feels like an hour catches up with us. So before I say hello to Brad, I want you guys to go right now to our Facebook pages. It is on Radio Pulpit's Facebook page. It's on my Facebook page. Um, you can go join the chat right there if you want to ask some questions, uh, uh, want to ask Brad some questions. You can also, if you like, go to, uh, uh, where did I, oh, you can send me WhatsApp 0826572729 and you can ask your questions. The WhatsApp lines are open. Everything is open. We are ready to go. In fact, I see this beautiful smiling face uh, staring at me through the cameras and um, it's actually quite ironic because our backgrounds look more or less the same. Can create minds think alike. That's all I can say. My brother from another mother, Brad Huddleston. How are you, buddy? Hey, uh I tell you what, Dwayne, I've been so looking forward to this, and uh, I'm just an, you know honored to be back. This is the good use of technology. God is good, and uh, we're. I just, to be honest with you, I can't wait till October when I'm actually in the same room with you. Yeah, I'll be I'll be honest. Uh, the other evening when we spoke and uh, when you said that you're coming to South Africa, it was a no-brainer for me and my family to say you are definitely coming over. We got to do a, a proper South African braai, and uh, we got to do this live in the studio. I can't wait Amen. for that, buddy. Yeah, me too. And speaking of braai, um, I will say of all the countries that I travel to, South Africa knows how to cook the best. There's there's no question about that. So I can't wait. All right, I'm so happy that you're actually mentioning that. Thank you for that. I'll make sure my wife ups her game and uh, and practice before before you come around. So, Brady, just for interest's sake, I did a um I did a bit of research this afternoon, and um I came across the first time the two of us met. I don't know if you can recall how long ago that was. I don't remember how long ago it was, but what I do remember, I was speaking at a, at a church. In Pretoria, and you brought some gear, and uh, the church graciously loaned us a room, and you set up a studio and and interviewed me. So that's that's my first recollection. How about yours? So our first one was at the um, the educators convention at the Drakensberg with ACE with Graham and Pam oh, Yoko. Oh, I remember that trip very well. What a gorgeous location. Yeah, that that was pretty special. I think, uh, Brad, if I'm not mistaken, that was five or six years ago. That's how long it's been. Yeah, that it has been a while, and I remember. Yes, I do remember that, and that's when I believe you asked if if I would join you on your radio program, and then we met up later, and we made that happen, or you made that happen, and I'm grateful. Yeah, absolutely. And since then, it's uh, just all the glory to God. But we've had we've had the privilege of doing multiple shows, and um, the idea is firstly, and I want to say this to the audience: we've got audience tuned in on um, on our live stream on DSTV channel eight eight two. We've got audience tuned in uh, this evening on on Facebook. I firstly just want to say, as as much as myself and Brad do have a a career, um, for us the ultimate is to glorify the King of Kings, and His name is Jesus Christ, and that's the first thing and the foremost that we want to achieve. That's correct, Brad. You know, Dwayne, the very word minister means to serve. 
So when people uh, look at those of us who are in the public eye or behind pulpits, I in no way want, it, want them to think that their call is any less valuable than ours. Um, everything that we are to do, everything that God has built us to do, the giftings that he's put, put into us, whether you are a college professor, university professor, a car mechanic, or whether you guys who ramble on on the radio, all of this is to glorify and to serve God and his people. So absolutely, that's why I'm joining you right now. If we can say things uh, from the, from God's word and things that he's given us in our hearts to speak, we want to see people healed. We want to see people built up in the faith. We want to see people delivered and we want to see people uh, born again and take as many of them to heaven with us as absolutely possible. Well, Brad, a couple of years ago, well, not a couple of years ago, quite a while ago, you you made a a name for yourself. We've we've straightened out the fact that we do this for God, number one. But secondly, you made a name for yourself with a a book with a I don't want to say very weird or controversial title, but but it, it does get your your people uh, um, wondering. How does someone come up with a name Digital Cocaine? So just for our brand new listeners and the people that's tuned in right now, just to give them a platform, Digital Cocaine is it's really all around the world right now. You've done world tours to with this book. What is Digital Cocaine all about? Let's start with it. Well, thank you, Dwayne. Uh, yeah, about 20 years ago now, I wrote a book called The Dark Side of Technology, and it it was really born out of watching the technology grow exponentially and then God's people drift spiritually. Not that they didn't love God or anything like that, but intimacy in terms of knowing God, walking with God. Um, I just watched that wane. And then the entertainment side of the Internet took over. Then the sin came. And uh, watching that happen, God burdened me, obviously. And then... A number of years later, I wrote a follow-up book that you just mentioned, Digital Cocaine. By that time, neuroscience had jumped in to help explain what we had all watched happen to our culture in general and the church included. And where the the title of the book comes from actually are brain scans. When you look at brain scans, fMRI and spec scans of people who uh, have become addicted to cocaine in particular, uh, their brains are very, you know, damaged, of course, and what scientists started to notice that when you look at the brain scans of people who are addicted to technology, their brain scans match most often cocaine addicts and sometimes heroin addicts. You can't hardly distinguish the difference between those two scans. So it turns out that addiction's addiction. You, you can be addicted to anything, and it happens in the exact same part of the brain with the exact same neurotransmitter called dopamine. So we made the cover of the book a 13-year-old who has a straw down onto his iPhone snorting a white substance. And when you zoom in on that, it's not actually cocaine. It's zeros and ones because they're actually, to the brain, the same thing. So I wrote that book, and it did take me all over the world. And one of the places that I'm so thankful that it brought me to was South Africa. And I was very privileged not only to be on Radio Pulpit, but carte blanche and quite a number of other The Morning Espresso shows. So God did that to get this message out. Not to build up what you and I are doing, Dwayne, but because God still loves his people. Even though they've drifted, even though their intimacies in many cases have waned, God is throwing a lifeline to people because he misses us. And so that's ultimately the purpose of the book is to expose the problem, but then offer God's solutions. And neuroscience can help with that somewhat, but God is the ultimate solution.
So Brad, just so for interest, like the first time I met you, I was in a crowd of probably about 2,000 people. And something that you did mm-hmm. that day, it was very strategic, but obviously that's the way you operate. But while you were on stage, your wife, Beth, walked through the room and she took took photos and obviously the first time people heard you no one knew what it was all about and she took a strategic photo at a specific angle during your chat and the photo was from a a, a skew backside angle and later in your uh, presentation you said let me explain to you how addicted you guys are to cell phones and then you took that image and you put it on the screen and I want to go as far as saying two-thirds of the 2,000 people in that room were stuck and glued to their iPhones. Um, it's been years later, Brad. How's the book still doing? The book itself is still doing great. I, I've just returned from New York uh, doing a, a conference, speaking at a conference up there in a school, and uh, the, the hunger is incredible. I was invited back straight away for a pastor's conference because they were in their denomination. They want to get this going throughout their denomination. We're preparing to leave this coming weekend for Florida, I'll be at a school uh, down there, and I was just in Florida before that. Then I go out to the Los Angeles area of California for about three weeks, speaking at men's, a men's conference and a couple of churches. So uh, the book itself, the topic, is still just you know keeping me extremely, extremely busy. And again, Dwayne, it's because God is is concerned. You and I both, the reason why you're having me because you see the problems all over and God is tugging at our hearts to get this message out and we're happy to do that. And I'm grateful to you for your friendship and for giving me this platform once again at Radio Pulpit. So, Brady, I can only think that the world went into a lockdown. Um, my own household went into a lockdown. And me and my wife, knowing uh, the book Digital Cocaine, and our, ho- our whole lives, by the way, has been transformed since we read that book five years ago. Our, the way we, we spend time with our kids in the evening, the way TV is off at 5.30 in the afternoon so their brains can rest before they go to bed. Our lives have been transformed because we know what is what is what is best uh, the bible says that my people will perish due to lack of knowledge and what we are doing here is we want to give them the knowledge so that they can make informed godly decisions for their households but then lockdown came and then this pandemic came and i think it it yo i got to choose my words carefully now but people then had nothing to do in south africa we were locked down for 35 days and i think a lot of people resorted to the television resorted to screens because we've lost touch on what it is to interact outside in our yards i can only think that this pandemic had a a huge effect on the statistics do i have it correct could you please just fill us in on that a bit yeah uh, you, you, you've nailed it. Um, Netflix, for example, went through the absolute roof, and Netflix was taking up the largest percentage, uh, one of the largest percentages of bandwidth throughout the world. So the European Union asked not only Netflix but YouTube because people were YouTube binging like crazy, and then there was pornography. They were pornography binging. And you put all that together, the European Union asked YouTube as well as Netflix to throttle their bandwidth back. In other words, to decrease the quality of the videos that they were streaming to make room for other people, particularly those who were then having to educate their kids at home. Millions and millions of parents all of a sudden around the world were thrust into the homeschooling environment, the digital homeschooling environment. So that added bandwidth um, and and a lot of problems. And it certainly kept me busy. Um, I was... In my studio here, 
uh, it's in my home. I was just giving online talks like you would not believe to schools and to parents groups and different ones just trying to cope with this and they weren't coping well and of course we all know globally the grades went way down because the world was not equipped for that technology doesn't solve problems and we found out that the kids were you know supposed to be doing their assignments but they were on youtube they're on netflix they were on porn they're playing video games and so they weren't doing their assignments and in Places like Philadelphia here in the U.S., I think it was something like 60% of the students never even logged in uh, to their to their online learning platforms. And in Boston, it was like 50%, something like that. These are well-documented statistics uh, that are in my new book that's coming up. But those are uh, fairly accurate there. But it was, you know, over half were not even logging in uh, because the entertainment was generating so much dopamine that that's where they were spending their time and some not even logging in. So it created a a mess. And then we found during the pandemic, it didn't take long before parents were screaming to get the kids back into a classroom. So in some of the homes, for example, parents, all of a sudden, if they have three or four kids, they might only have one or two computers. And then these children are at different age groups and the parents then have to become the tutors and they don't know what in the world I mean, they can't remember calculus. They can't remember geometry. They had that stuff years ago, but they're having to suddenly tutor them. So the parents are pulling their hair out trying to, you know, tutor their children with not enough computers. And then there are places around my country and your country and around the world that uh, don't even have Internet access yet. And so a lot of the mobile phone companies here and, and cable companies were going around suddenly trying to make that available to people wirelessly. And uh, it, it just turned out to be a, a colossal mess not to mention spiritually uh, what was happening. I saw, I heard one statistic, all these churches, as you know, who were not equipped with online streaming suddenly invested untold amounts of money to stream their services. And so they invested all of this so that people, you know, could watch the messages online. Turns out people were watching, I think it was an average of like six minutes of the sermon and they left it playing, but they were on other tabs doing other stuff. So uh, the churches wanted people to get back in so that they could control these people's attention. But as you recall from the conference where you saw me speak, even in those settings, the majority of the people, um, two-thirds, sometimes up to 80 percent, are on their devices the entire time. So technology, for all the good that we boast about it, like what we're doing here, and it is a good thing, uh, when it comes to deep thinking, when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to academics, has done us very few favors. It's actually ironic that you mentioned that a while ago um, I was contacted by one of our local newspapers and um, they asked me my opinion on the church and the metaverse and um, sad enough they actually went and um, they quoted me out of context. And um, but that is newspapers, and I'm that's shocked. the that's the way that's the way they do that. But they asked me, am, am I Dwayne? Um, Am I motivating and supporting South Africans to pursue the 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 the, the church in, in in metaverse and and rather to go that route? And my answer to that, Brad, was my answer was no. My answer was no. That I believe that we have got to fellowship. I believe that we are part of the body. I might be the eyes. Someone might be the nose. Someone might be the feet. We need each other. Um, I'm not of opinion that the church and metaverse is the way to go. I don't know if you agree with me. It's funny you mention that. I've already spoken. The first speaking request that I had on the Metaverse actually came from Pretoria, the church there, Shalom, Montana. And uh, I spoke to both of their congregations not long ago on a Sunday morning. And uh, 
the Lord through that confirmed to me what was already brewing in my heart. I'm getting ready to release a new book right now. I mean, I'm hoping to have this manuscript finished next week, and then it'll go out for endorsements. We're in the final editing phases right now, but the Lord was sitting on me probably a month and a half ago that the very first thing I have to do as soon as I finish this manuscript is to write a book on the metaverse. So I've already begun researching this and speaking. I've spoken on it twice, actually. Some of the things that I brought up at the Shalom Church there in Pretoria when I was speaking on it is this. Meta, which is Facebook's version of the metaverse, they're actually metaverses. They're not not just one metaverse. There are groups hoping that ultimately it will be one metaverse, but Microsoft has their version, Meta has their version, and so on and so forth. But Meta, or Facebook, has created an entire office of religion, and they have a religion director where they're going around the world, and they're trying to entice the larger churches to go fully metaverse, to go in and, and, and here in the U.S., the Hillsong Church in Atlanta, Georgia has done that. They've committed and worked with them. Now, one of the things that I've, aside from the brain science and the overstimulation, all the stuff that I already deal with in terms of digital cocaine, this is what I was saying. If you have values, talking about morals and values that differ from the big tech narrative, for example, research related to COVID, if you differ or you post any research other than what's been approved by big tech, they will deplatform you. They have deplatformed untold amounts of people for posting things that do not conform to the narrative that they tell you. So what in the world do you think is going to happen when a pastor is preparing their sermons and they're fully engaged in the metaverse and have this massive possibly online presence do you think that Meta's narrative of what is appropriate and inappropriate to say on their platform, do you think it's going to affect their pastor? Of course, um, which we spell that compromise. So that's one issue of many, not to mention that the exponential rise in brain stimulation by wearing VR goggles. So I am with you on that. I'm, I'm recommending to pastors to take a wait and see. Don't put all of your eggs in that technology basket, see what shakes out that might be beneficial, but do not become unequally yoked with unbelievers for what does Christ have to do with Belial? What does light have to do with darkness? So obviously uh, what we need to, would be a, a, a parallel civilization, digital civilization run by Christians. We don't have that. There are groups, fortunately, that are friendly to us, but um, the efficacy or the cognition learning uh, we know anytime you're on a digital platform goes down. And so when it comes to koinonia, when it comes to the biblical view of fellowship and uh, gathering together, the scripture is very clear, it needs to be in the same room, whether it be in a small house or whether it be in an auditorium, it needs to be face to face and it needs to be in real time with real people in the same room. That is a biblical issue there. Not to say that outside of that we can't enhance it by meeting like this with Zoom and out of necessity at times, but the core worship, the core time that we gather together where the presence of God will dwell on two or more or three who are gathered in his name, um, it needs to be done in real time in a real room with real people. Brother, just before we get back to, to our script for the evening, uh, Pastor Chris uh, sent a message here. I'd like to read the message, and then perhaps you could respond. He says, If you could consider the woke spirits of America and Hollywood, 
where reality is lost. How can we make the youth understand that woke needs to stop the addiction of social media? Because woke promotes that social media is the future. Hollywood is totally against God. And all of us that are against this are just jealous and out of time. Well, I just wrote a section in this new book. I'm tying up my loose ends on anime. Uh, anime, if you know what that is, or manga, they're very similarly related. Japanese art, most of it's pornographic. And then there is a huge, huge component to the transgender movement being infatuated with anime. And there are lots of people around the world, particularly people who were biologically born male, who want to transition to female, they will ask the, sincerely the question, did anime do this to me? Well, uh, it's the spirit that the pastor was just mentioning behind it. It is a demonic spirit, and all of that LGBTQ, of course, plus, and all the other letters that now come with it, is a spirit. It, it's the spirit of the age. It's a demonic spirit. The only thing that breaks the yoke is the anointing. So to answer the question, what we must have is a genuine, genuine manifestation of the Spirit of God in a great awakening. In Africa, particularly in Nigeria and other parts north of you, and some, some in history throughout South Africa, has seen tremendous outpourings of the Holy Spirit over mass areas with Reinhard Bonnke. Here in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, we have uh, Central America, and then we have South America in the Southern Hemisphere here, where God is moving in Brazil. It's very similar to what's happening in Africa. But what breaks that yoke and opens people's eyes, the Scripture says that the hearts and the minds of the unregenerate are blinded until the Lord Jesus takes that yoke off, and then they can have the understanding. So the first solution that we must have to make young people understand the woke spirit behind social media is to have an, a manifestation of the Spirit of God on them so that that yoke can be broken, and that is an issue of revival. Right, so Brady, in your book, um, I know a bit more about this, but you spoke about that in in the brain there's a there's a there's a, a barrier, and your brain releases a, a toxin called dopamine, and dopamine creates the rush. Um, just before I ask you on what dopamine detox is, can you can can you please create the platform to parents? Um, what does it mean if I say that my child has got a dopamine dopamine release when spending time in front of a screen? Please explain that to us. Sure. There's a, a neurotransmitter in the brain that doesn't start off being toxic, and it's called dopamine. And basically, if you know what, for those of you who are able to watch this, if you've ever seen neurons in the brain, they sort of look like this. They're, you got one branch here. They look like sort of wiring and with electricity going through it. But what's actually happening is there's this molecule called dopamine that carries messages from the brain, and they go from one neuron to the other. So you have neuro uh, dopamine transmitters on one end and you have receptors on the other and when that dopamine goes across that uh, synapse or that little gap it's carrying information and it also creates feelings of pleasure so when we stimulate the brain uh, for example Dwayne sitting here chatting to you every time we get together I enjoy talking to you, and I'm receiving dopamine. At the thought, just the very thought of coming on the radio pulpit with you and spending time with you, I, I have 
feelings of pleasure. And that's normal. That's good. That's the normal amount of dopamine. But when mm. we hyper-stimulate ourselves with traditional drugs, digital drugs, too much caffeine, whatever it may be, those dopamine receptors start to clog because it's receiving too much dopamine. We call that building up resistance or, or building tolerance. And we don't like for those feelings of pleasure to be cut off because when the dopamine receptors stop receiving dopamine, we, we go emotionally numb. It's a medical condition called anhedonia. So what we end up doing is trying to create more dopamine by ingesting more drugs or spending uh, more time in front of the screen so that we penetrate that barrier. And you can penetrate the barrier, but then the barrier gets thicker. It gets more difficult to penetrate. And the irony is the more you stimulate the brain, the more the feelings go away. In other words, your dopamine levels actually drop. And that's abnormal as well. So you don't want too much. You don't want too little. You want the brain to be chemically in balance. Otherwise, you have a, a chemical imbalance in the brain. So the dopamine is not bad until you get too much. Dopamine is necessary for cognition, meaning if you want to learn, if you want to learn your Bible verses, you need dopamine, but you don't want too much and you don't want too little. So that's, in a nutshell, what dopamine is. And at high levels, indeed, it becomes toxic because you habituate to it and you start to chase it. And that's where the problems with our cognition, our spirituality, just flat-out addiction occur is when we get too much and then the brain shuts it out, which means we have too little, and then we chase it and we chase it and we chase it. And that's what addiction is. All right, so Barry, then we reach a point with our teenagers, with our, with our, with our toddlers, uh, with ourselves. We reach a point where we found ourselves in a dangerous position with the amount of dopamine or the dopamine levels within the context of our brain. And now we urgently need to go for something called a dopamine detox. Could you please tell us a bit more? What is a dopamine detox and how long does it take to, to do this detox? The, the amount of time that it takes is going to depend on the age, the background of the person, what previous ailments that they've had emotionally, particularly, basically their resilience. But generally speaking, what happens with a dopamine detox, it's a little bit of a misnomer. You're not actually getting rid of dopamine. What you're doing is restoring it to the normal levels. But, you know, for the sake of understanding uh, how to restore that, you borrow terminology from the drug world because it is a drug. And so you're detoxing, but you're not actually getting rid of the dopamine. What you're doing is stopping the excessive amounts and then restoring to the, to the normal levels. Just wanted to clear that up from the very beginning. You're not going to actually get rid of it out of your brain. You're just going to get rid of the excess amounts and then restore normal amounts if it's been blocking out too much. But it takes about four to six weeks under the best of conditions for the brain to respond to that. With pornography addicts, and I want to be careful how explicit I am here, but pornography addicts will also suffer ED, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, it shows in them it takes about eight months because pornography addiction of the what I call the big three, social media, video games, and pornography. Pornography is by far the most toxic, so it takes longer for them to respond to that. The good news is, is that people will respond, but for the average video gamer, the average social media junkie, in about three weeks, three to four weeks, you're over the worst of the withdrawals, and then those levels will start to be normal. And if you will change your lifestyle and come back to technology without the excess and without some of the content that got you addicted to begin with, you can create new brain matter 
through neuroplasticity. And um, that's basically what you have done, what you testified to, and your words were very kind regarding what uh, my book or what God has done through my book in your home. Obviously, Beth and I had to do that before I wrote the book. Otherwise, I'd be a hypocrite. And we've done similar things. And so as time has gone on, the resilience has rebuilt in my brain. Um, I've checked my phone maybe once today, uh, twice max. Uh, I forget to now to where before I was glued to it. So that's what happens. Neuroplasticity is is kicked in and I have control over it instead of it controlling me. But that has to do with restoring the normal levels of dopamine. And it starts with a dopamine detox. Yes, I just want to say you really do suck on your phone um, because getting a hold of you, (laughs) that's very tough. Yes, I do check and I'm not against the phone. I just bought the the Samsung uh, S22 Ultra and I've had it on, I think, three times. I stuck I have had it for a month, about three weeks to a month. I stuck a SIM card in it for three minutes to make sure it worked and then I put it away. And then I took it to New York and took some photographs, and then I put it away. I just, I, it's just a headache to set them up, so I'm still using another phone. <laughs> Shame. I'll, um, I'll pray but for I your salvation it. until you go over to an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, well, you keep praying. I'm, not only am I saved, I'm sanctified, pal, because <laughs> I've got rid of my, my iPhone. <laughs> right, so, Brady, uh, I think sometimes we've got we've got parents and we've got maybe perhaps some elderly folks listening tonight. They've got some grandmas and grandpas listening. A lot of times it's hard to identify a problem if you yourself are stuck in it. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a very, a not common to make, but it's the, for, for me personally, the biggest step in the right direction is to admit you have a problem because once you admit yeah. you've got a problem, you can do something about it. But one of the things that I would like us to concentrate on tonight to equip our audience, our viewers and our listeners are now I have a kid and I wonder whether my kid or my spouse or my family member is addicted. Um, is there some symptoms of digital addiction that you can point out to us? Absolutely. The, you don't need a brain scan to figure this out. It's really simple, particularly if they're young. The only thing you have to do is take the device away from them and do it politely. Don't, don't go up screaming and carrying on. Just say, sweetheart, um, can, can, can you please give that to mommy or daddy? And um, if you get any reaction other than compliance, uh, and there are a, a very, very small minority of kids that will just hand it to you, but that's very few. Most of them will throw tantrums. So I'm going to list the ones for you that I have aggregated over the many years that I've been traveling and dealing with this and researching and writing, and it's anger and aggression at the top of the list. Um, and so the, the, it, it's always anger. It's particularly with video game addicts and social media addicts. The porn addicts don't usually, um, they, they're not usually angry because they know I'm right when I say you should get rid of that. It doesn't mean they will, but they, they usually are, are filled with shame. But the other two usually get angry, they, they get anger and uh, a lot of aggression. But then anxiety and depression uh, will settle in over time because of the chemical changes in the brain. The irritability grows. All of these symptoms, Dwayne, we all have because we live life. But what we're talking about, addiction exacerbates, magnifies these things hugely to where they're out of control. Attention deficits and emotional numbness, that anhedonia that we've been talking about. Now, in this new book, uh, I'm quoting additional uh, symptoms of withdrawal. Uh, So basically, all those uh, adjectives that I just showed you or just read to you, 
um, come from taking it away, the symptoms if you take it away. But there's some additional ones that I'm citing from another seminar um, from uh, a gentleman by the name of Thomas Kirsting from his Digitally Distracted Seminar, and I think these are great. It's, uh, and you can, if, you, if you're observant of your children and spending time with them, you'll notice these things. And it also uh, applies to adults as well. They lose track of time when it comes to electronics. Perceptually, they'll say, well, I was only on there 10 minutes, but it was half hour, an hour. They become agitated when interrupted. They prefer to spend time using electronics rather than playing, which is an analog activity that they have become bored with. All of these things I've covered for years, but this is just a, a very good new and fresh way of, of wording these things. They seem restless when not using a device, and they're preoccupied with getting back on, you know, begging and whining to have it. They avoid homework and chores because of spending too much time on electronics. And they sneak a device when no one is around, and then they lie about it. So those are some of the symptoms of digital addiction. Really, they're the same things I've been saying, but I just thought that uh, it was a good way to freshen that up. A couple of those, the sneaking the device and then lying about it uh, is, is very common with children. So those are some uh, of the more common symptoms that you can look for without having to have a brain scan. All right, so we know that with traditional drugs, um, the body goes through uh, with with withdrawals. Uh, with the with with traditional drugs, the the cravings become next level. Um, I've I've cheated some some people who go to great extents just to get their drug, whether it is through uh, committing a crime, whether it is through stealing from loved ones. Um, so I'd like to know that just like traditional drugs, do we have withdrawal symptoms with digital addiction similar to traditional drugs? Yes, and you look for the moods, the emotions. Uh, you've already hinted at that, Dwayne, but when you start to go through a digital detox, which means you're cutting yourself off um, completely, and that includes television, by the way, the anxiety levels will go up. It's a normal part of withdrawal, no matter what the drug is, but it, it also applies to the digital withdrawal. So the moodiness will, for a season, uh, usually in about two to three weeks, that, that subsides to very manageable levels. But the depression is something you want to watch out for. It's during that time, if they have really been addicted in a very deep, deep level with very vile things that they've been looking at in pornography, in the video game world, if it's really turned deep and they're withdrawing, they will have depressed moods where some will threaten suicide. There's self-harm. You want to really look at that. That can be a, a, a withdrawal. They will cut themselves and harm themselves. Some do it while they're uh, addicted. But you can look for an increase in these sorts of things and just the craving for the Internet access to where the traditional drug addict will steal. They'll lie. They will do whatever they have to do to get that drug, so will kids. In one instance that I'll cite, I was working with law enforcement in Australia, and my, my colleague there was just telling me a story. He got a call when he had just uh, signed off from work, but his heart went out to this very young child um, who was just trashing his home uh, and, and just really overturning all the, the, uh, the drawers in and taking the clothes out of the closets and throwing them and spraying water all over the floors through the bathtub and all this just overflowing them because he was angry and what spawned this withdrawal was the mother finally finally got fed up with him 
playing video games and he was out with his friends playing video games. And when he came home, she had turned the router off. And then when he wanted to continue to play his game, she re refused to turn it back on. And instantly that anger and that aggression kicked in and he went absolutely berserk. So it can get that bad. And the younger they are, the more resilient typically they will be. So if you catch this early, I don't want to leave everybody just on a negative note. These things will subside, but you will have at least two to three, four weeks of, of a lot of challenges. So the more people that you can surround yourself with who have love and compassion and the agape, unconditional love of the Lord to help walk you through that, um, the better. And one of the things I'm saying in the new book, Dwayne, the body of Christ really has to detox because we're in denial. But once we do, we really need to get back to being the church or the koinonia-based people, where when these problems come up, we have, an, we have instant access to a large group of people who don't judge us. They love us unconditionally because we all realize we're in the same boat. We have the same, we all have problems, but we gather around the one who is going off the wall and tearing things up and so forth, and we surround that person to keep them from harming themselves, other people, and the home, and we just love them to bits for two to three weeks, whatever that takes, staying up day or night. That's the grace and the compassion of God. Um, because if we were to have a power outage on a mass scale, there's not enough hospital beds or, or mental health clinics to accept all these people. We need to learn how to handle this on our own. And so that's why I wrote this new book was to help people cope with that without having to go to the hospital. And look, if you need to go, you need to go. But I think the power of God, good old common sense from grandma and a little bit of help from neuroscience will go a long way to help us through the body of Christ to help bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, Brad, we've spent a lot of time on um, the physical effects it has on the physical body, but we haven't really touched on what effect it has on our spirituality. Uh, for me, this is a very, very great concern because we need to devote our bodies to spending time to God to connect spiritually. Um, and if we uh, spend so much time on these digital platforms and on, 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 on TVs and on screens, that, that effectively means time taken away that we spend with God. We haven't touched on this. Could we perhaps just touch on what effect does these digital addictions have on our spirituality? Dwayne, um, that is the heartbeat of what I do. And I know it's the heartbeat of what you do. But in terms of me talking about the brain and doing all this research, once a person becomes anhedonic or that wall in the brain gets big, you've, you've seen my brain animations that I show, or the dopamine receptors get clogged, it's all the same thing. We become bored with non-stimulating activities or lesser stimulating activities would be a better way to say it, such as reading on paper or going outside and playing. You just become bored with that sort of thing. In holiday time, children, when they want to, parents say, let's go to grandma and granddad's for a holiday. They want to take their tablet. So they give the obligatory hug, but then they disappear. Unfortunately, uh, what has happened is that same thing happens with God. God is analog. God is not a high-stimulating drug. Now, I know those of us who believe in the Holy Spirit, there are seasons when God manifests. It feels like you've plugged into electricity. I get that. It's a good thing. But that's not how we live every day. We, we need to live our lives in such a way that we chase after the small, still voice of the Lord with practicing some of the church, you know, um, disciplines such as solitude 
prayer and worship with no speaking going on, but it's this, this deep, deep, deep place with God. Well, when you're addicted to anything, including technology, that wall is on one side. You're on one side of that wall and God is on the other. And so you're bored with God. You are bored with those things. And the reason why Beth was going through that auditorium that you mentioned earlier, taking those pictures, the, the whole point of that was I am boring to people. I don't think that as a speaker, I wouldn't be I wouldn't have a career doing this if I was inherently boring. But what I'm trying to say is they are bored with me because I am an analog source. I am not very high stimulating compared to their tablet. So you're going to get the normal amount of dopamine by watching someone in person on a stage. You're going to get much higher levels of dopamine when you have your screen. And so God is not a screen. He is on the stage of your heart. And Dwayne, if I could just put this in everyday English, people have become bored with spiritual activities because it's not chemically stimulating like our screens and the content come. And they'll say, well, I read my Bible on my screen. All the more reason not to. So what Beth and I have done, I, as the priest of my home, I just said to her, and I was, you know, I didn't just demand this and come off crazy. I'm like, sweetheart, we really, I'm a preacher here. We need to take care of this. And she was like, yeah, absolutely we should. In fact, it was her idea to go to bed early. And I said, well, what time? And she said, well, I was thinking, you know, 10 or 11. And she said, no, later than 8 o'clock. And I thought, this precious little wife of mine has lost her mind. <laughs> and it uh, turns out she was right. And so we go to we go to bed between 7.30 and 8 every night. I'm up at 3. And the first the first fruits of my morning go to God. And I've done that for years, Dwayne. And you know how hard it is to get in touch with me. There are no screens in my lounge room, none. Um, that, look, there are exceptions if somebody is sick and I'm waiting on the dreaded call. Uh, there are, you know, I'm not legalistic, but day in and day out, it's two printed Bibles, a printed book, and traditional highlighters, and a journal with a pen. And, um, my deep thinking goes that way because my relationship with God was suffering horribly when I was digitally addicted. I was, look, if I could just be transparent, I was bored with him. Therefore, my prayer life was almost nothing unless I was with a group and was asked to pray with them. Um, my Bible reading, bored with it. I would rather watch Netflix, uh, YouTube binge, etc., etc. And so once I cut off the dopamine flow, um, those cravings, for the non-digital activities, which include God, which include the prayer, which included the first fruits of my morning, which craving sleep now, all came rushing back. Therefore, um, you know what I regret? That's when I started writing books, Dwayne. I realized I had a gift in me all those years to write and never knew it. And I wonder how far along could I be, further along could I be, had I got on with God earlier like this? And, um, but you know, God doesn't want us to live in regret. He restores the years that the locust and the canker worm hath eaten away because he's a good God. But spiritually, this is why I do what I do, Dwayne. Here in America, the millennials and the Gen Zers are down to only 4% having a biblical worldview. And the parents of children, Gen Alpha, those parents now have less than a 2% biblical worldview. They have a worldview, but they're getting it from social media when you look at all the research. 
And so people are bored. They're bored with God. God's on one side of that anhedonic barrier. We're on the other, and God wants to tear the wall down and rebuild the city of our hearts. Right, so Brady, we have about 10 minutes left. And I just want to go to our WhatsApp line and some of the questions that came in. I have a, a mom that just sent us a message, and the mom said that uh, you mentioned earlier that um, my child could be in possible danger if the iPad is my go-to tool. At my household, when I can't handle my children anymore, the easiest thing to do is to give my child an iPad. Um, I've never had a better stimulant in my household. My kid will say no to a dummy, will say no to anything, but at the age of 12 months, my child already started having the iPad as its soothing tool. In your opinion, and please be bluntly honest, is my child in danger if it continues like this? Yes. Your child's already in danger and has been in danger. Now, you, she asked me to be brutally honest. But your child can get out of danger. As I also mentioned earlier, the younger they are, the more resilient they are. So here is what is actually happening, most likely. The child is not actually focusing. That child is being chemically mesmerized by that screen. So you can justify, most parents justify... Uh, the usage by putting some educational app on there. All of that goes away in a very short period of time. The moment addiction kicks in, the learning goes down. So you, you will give them games, educational games, because it's built on a reward system, which is still triggering way too much dopamine. So the solution to that is, is difficult. It's simple to say it's difficult in implementation, but you detox the child and for three to four weeks, it's going to be very difficult. But once the child is detoxed and the dopamine levels return to normal, the go-to needs to be coloring books, needs to be play, needs to be anything that doesn't involve a screen that you find out that they enjoy. It could be a sport. It could be, you know, for me, growing up, we're, we're fortunate that we can go outside. It's safe where I live and that sort of thing. So there were outdoor activities. I know in South Africa, depending on where you live, that could be a challenge. But indoor activities are fine. You just have to figure out which non-digital activities that they love and then spoil them with that. And that becomes the go-to. It will not work simultaneous. In other words, well-meaning parents will say, all right, if I give them an hour of, of iPad time and then I send them outside to play or a coloring book, uh, will that be okay? It won't be because you can't just suddenly switch off that much dopamine and accept them, expect them to be excited about a non-digital activity. You're going to have to pick which world that they live in full time. doesn't mean that you can't get on Skype and talk to grandma occasionally and use a screen to do it, but that world, that ratio is going to have to completely flip-flop and go in the other direction. All right, so uh, Brenton Jerome uh, gives us a thumbs up. Ilza Gunter th gives us a thumbs up. Sonia Rudman says, "Thank you for the amazing interview. Uh, so many people can relate to the very sad to this very sad addiction. We have not had a television in our household since 2018." Uh, Rudy Small says something. Um, Brad, um, I only quote him, so this is not official statistics, but Rudy Small says something for me that's actually quite worrying. He said that the average age of parents giving kids a cell phone has now gone down to as little as seven years old. The latest statistic post 
COVID shows that sexting and children pornography has increased with more than 3,000% worldwide since the announcement of the COVID-19 pandemic. In South Africa, the average age of a girl losing her virginity has now gone, dwell, gone down to 12 years and 6 months. Brad, you are the specialist if it comes to these things. At what age do you think a parent should award a kid a cell phone? Um, and please just Justify your answer, Brad. Before you do that, um, just if I may, just my view is a cell phone is for communicating with your child. That means a Nokia thirty three ten will will be enough, in, according to me. What's your view, Brady? That is my view. Um, you may have even gotten that from me. I have no idea. <laughs> yes, I have. Uh, it's it's the smart part that's killing us. But the justification is: what about if we have an emergency? So what they're doing is using the emergency as the excuse to keep all of the entertainment side of it when a phone call, a simple phone call, will solve the emergency problem straight away. But then the parents say, well, my child will feel left out. My child's friends. What about their friends? What about their friends? What, what has happened in this culture? People worship their friends. In other words, they have created idols out of their friends when it should be Jesus that they are worshiping, uh, you know, in spirit and in truth. But... The, the actual age, um, I look to Silicon Valley for some of those answers. The, the, uh, many of the tech executives out there send their kids to analog schools called Waldorf Steiner. I've spoken in one in Johannesburg. And they do not introduce any technology uh, to their children until they're between 12 and 14, and then only the things that will get them a job, things that don't tend to addict us. For example, I always say this, Dwayne, no one has ever come to me and said, Brad, would you please pray for me? I'm so addicted to Word. <laughs> I just can't <laughs> stop typing. Um, that, that is a good use of technology. The things that we're getting addicted to, obviously, are pornography, social media, and video games. They don't need those things. Uh, but, yes, they do need a phone, particularly where in this day and age where everything is evil. But the, the Nokia dumb phone that you mentioned is, is definitely the solution. All right, so ready the 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 WhatsApp line is going off the hook, yeah, and um, I actually took uh, took some of the questions and I'm going to compile it all in one. Uh, uh, the the question is, you mentioned coming to South Africa in October. Have you got tour dates and events that you'll be going to? And the second one is, will your new book be ready? What is the title of it, and where can we grab it? I love you, whoever all these people that have been saying that, and you've aggregated that into one. I love each of you. I do, and I hope to see you. The only thing, I don't have the itinerary just yet, except for one speaking engagement. You, Our mutual friend, Graham and Pam Yoko, have invited me to speak at the AEE conference um, in October. So it's the Christian Educators Conference. So I will be keynoting there. Uh, I'm not even sure where it is, uh, to be honest. It's Bloemfontein again. Is it Bloemfontein? Yes. They did tell me that, actually. So, yes, I will be in Bloemfontein. But uh, what I will do is very soon um, start to put the word out, which we're putting the word out now. So I would imagine that the emails will come in because I, I haven't been talking about it yet. Um, and then I will post that on my website. I promise I will do that. I've been if you look at my website, you, you will see I'm not addicted to the Internet at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm, I, but I will post that. And I'm honored. And the book, yes, I am honestly trying to have the manuscript finished next week, the week after at the very latest, because the, we're in the final editing phases. I'm, I'm tying up loose ends. Now, what I have to do then is send the book out 
the manuscript out for endorsements, and that's a whole different uh, waiting game there. But in terms of the book being ready, yes, my I have every intention of getting it there. I will submit that to Christian, uh, well, to Coom Books, my publisher in South Africa. Now, I, I don't know that they'll publish it, but um, uh, I, it'll be there. We'll, we'll find print. I'm sure they will, but I don't know if they'll offer me another contract. But regardless, there will be copies floating around. Uh, we'll make sure of that. So thank you for those of you who, who wrote that in WhatsApp. Right. Well, obviously, Brad is my buddy, so I think we could add another date to that visit and maybe perhaps do something in Pretoria, maybe um, in partnership with Radio Pulpit, we could do some form of an event. We got to do a live session in my studio. You got to come see my new studio. Um, And and then just just one more thing, Brady. Um, I'm not going to mention the name, but I think I might have assisted you with one of your uh, endorsements of your book or one of your forewords of the book. Did that endorsement come through? I'm not. The, uh, the, what I was going to say, which you are a key part of, I had you on my podcast. Yeah. And we have curriculum coming out. And I'm being careful how I say this because that's a big, big project. But I have already filmed for this thing. And it'll, it's a whole different authoring thing, but it'll be online. Don't make fun of me yet. I promise you, nobody will get addicted to it. In fact, very few people will probably actually finish it. But because Beth and I do not have children, what I'm relying on are my friends who do have children. So when it comes to all this technical stuff and the brain and so forth, I will handle that. But when it comes to parenting, I'm letting my friends speak to that. And you have written an incredible book. And I had you on my podcast, and so you are going to be on that uh, curriculum series on video talking about raising children in this digital age. So you have helped immensely. I've edited it all down. I've made, I put makeup on you and everything. You look great. And so <laughs> I, I trimmed off weight, all that stuff you asked me to do. No, I'm kidding about that part. But uh, so, so that is uh, in the works. I've already begun prepping for that. I said filming for that. Um, but that's going to be a little, that's a, another mammoth project that I would ask for prayer for. Right. So, Red, of course, we will pray for you. But um, in closing this session, where do people go for more regarding Brad Huddleston? Could you please give us either your websites, your, your details? Where do we go, especially your touring dates? Because people will obviously now see where you'll be touring in October. Thank you for that. Yes, bradhuddleston.com, my name, dot com, all one word. And uh, when, when the schedule, uh, w- when we do put this itinerary together, I promise you, I'll put it on the main page. There is a schedule link there, but I'll just put it right dead on the main page so you don't have to poke around to find it. Um, I should probably put my U.S. schedule because I have a big one here before I even come. And I'm going to Thailand, too, before that as well. But um, it, you can, you'll be able to order the book uh, from the website there and... I don't know about this, Dwayne. Dwayne, does Amazon print in South Africa? Yes, they do. Okay. You know, because it, it'll be in Amazon, but all that still has to be worked out with, with Kum Books because what happens is there are certain regions that I stay away from that they handle, and then there are certain regions that others handle. So all of that's not been worked out, but um, bradhuddleston.com is where you're going to find out about the book, the curriculum, the new book I'll have after that called The Metaverse, and then... Um, the schedule. 
Well, you can also send me a mail if you like, Dwayne at RadioPulpa.co.za. And um, if it's something to do with Brad, I'll make sure that he gets it. My brother from another mother, I can't wait to welcome you and Beth at my house so we can do a proper braai. You're such a blessing and inspiration. And thanks for just being my buddy, man. Hey, Dwayne, listen, um, it's all about relationship with me. Um, you giving me this platform and the others who have had me on at Radio Pulpit and Uncle Angus having me at the farm and the small churches and the out-of-the-way places, I love you so much. And, and Beth and I, South Africa has such a huge, huge place in our hearts. You know, Africa gets in you. You know what I mean? You, you're, you're from there. But for those of us that come from the outside, we've carried you in our hearts, Dwayne. You personally, Africa, South Africa as a whole, Namibia as well. We love you and just appreciate so much the aggressive nature to deal with this issue that we don't have here in America. I'm, look, I'm busy here, but you guys have just been over 10 times to help me get this message out. And Beth and I are so grateful and love you to bits and can't wait to catch up with you. All right, super. So I think this is uh, not the end of the show. I think what we got to do is you guys are going to go to Radio Pulpit, uh, www.radiopulpit.co.za. Go download the podcast. It will be available tomorrow noon at 12 o'clock. Distribute this podcast. Please distribute it Facebook far and wide so we can get the word out there. My brother from another mother, I love you to bits. And our listeners, we love you guys to bits. So on behalf of me and Brad Huddleston, we're going to say goodbye.